Welcome to episode 75 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. We need apostolic congregations that people can emulate. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. We're talking about being imitators of Christ. And last podcast, we were in 1 Thessalonians 1 6. I want to jump over just one chapter on this podcast today and look at 1 Thessalonians 2.14. It says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you all endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. Now, what's interesting in this passage, because he's already complimented them in chapter 1, He talked about how they did it individually. Now, in this verse, he uses the term the imitators of the churches. So not only was there an imitation of the individual believers, but they as a church, as a body of Christ, were imitating the other congregations that they had seen. And so, you know, one of the marks of an apostolic church is not just that it's proficient and that it's able to multiply, but it's able to be proficient and multiply because it's a good model. In other words, even outside of their own activities and their own plans and strategies, that they are an example. People could come and watch that church and go home with something because they're such a great example. So we need apostolic congregations like that today, where people will look at it and say, this is what a life-giving New Testament church looks like, that they can be an example. But the thing I want to point out to you is that if you go up just a verse, it says, for this reason, we constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So there was a great reverence for the word of God. The word of God wasn't treated like an apostolic opinion or a prophetic uh, promise, you know, just merely. It was the word of God and what it is. And if you go back to Acts 16, which is the the time frame they're referring to in verse 4, Uh, It really catches my attention. It says, now, while they were passing through the cities, this is the apostolic team, delivering, this is Paul and Silas, delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So there was a real understanding of the concept of the churches being knit together there was very vital apostolic ministry going on. And it's important to note, especially for if you've got friends that kind of believe that apostles and prophets have gone away, uh, that this is long after the resurrection of Christ. The church is vibrant. And one of the reasons it's vibrant, because these gift ministries are flowing in and out of the churches. They're based in the church. And then the New Testament believers are receiving these men and receiving the word they're preaching uh, with the authority they're carrying because they're preaching the word of God. Uh, Let me just kind of do a a little break here. You know, there's a difference when people may wrangle or debate uh, over the application of the word. 
Like, is that really what the word says? That's one debate. That's entirely different than somebody saying, well, I know the Bible says that, but it doesn't have authority. For instance, in the, in the sexuality issue we're at right now with transgenderism and homosexuality, the Bible is painfully clear about those things, being displeasing to God and unacceptable. There's no debate in those things if you accept the Word of God as your authority. Now, if you reject the Word of God as your authority, then that's a whole other debate. So in church life, there are things that will agree, yes, that's the Word of God, that's our authority, but we may... I have some debate on how to apply that or what to do with it or or but what is the best way to present that. But we're not debating whether God's word is the final authority. So it's okay to wrestle with the application of something. Just don't undermine the authority of the word of God. We've got to come to grips with that. And I, I think the first thing is the first thing. Is it the word of God? Not we'll, we'll try to like find out a way to apply it. And if we can get comfortable with that application, then we'll decide it's the word of God. No, you decide it's the word of God first. You make that commitment. And then Lord, what is the way that we should work that out? What is the way that we should apply that with scriptural confines, I think is the way to do it. So the rule is that the word of God is the final rule and authority. So this shows the tremendous influence uh, and the networking of the New Testament churches. Notice in Acts 15, if you go to the very last verse before it gives part of what I just read to you, it says, and he was traveling through Syria and Silica, strengthening the churches. Let me say this. The ministry of the New Testament churches was to plant churches and strengthen churches. Everything they did was connected to planting churches and strengthening churches. Jesus said, I will build my church. Paul said here about the Thessalonian believers, they were imitators of the churches in Judea. So we should imitate what those churches did, I believe, at that time. And I think that even when we're doing compassion-based ministries in the communities, whether it's in another nation drilling a well, or whether it's a home for unwed mothers, or whether it's feeding poor people, we've got to be able to connect the dots to the mission God has given us, and that is strengthening the church and pioneering the church. How do the acts of compassion, how do our mission outreaches, how do we tie them in? They should be more than just the activities of good-hearted believers. I think as leaders and as people maybe even doing those things, we've got to ask ourselves the question, how does this tie into what we're doing? Let me give you an example. Uh, I'm involved in pro-life ministry. I believe it to be the question God is going to ask this generation of churches, what did we do when they were killing countless little boys and countless little girls? So my thing that I carried into pro-life ministry and I continue to do is not just to be compassionate, not just to be concerned about human life, which in and of itself is worth the effort, but understanding the critical way that that's connected to the integrity of the church message. For instance, I believe if we can't be right on that issue, that we really lose integrity to be right on other critical issues. I personally believe that's why we do not have much of a voice in the whole transgender, 
homosexuality issue is because our voice has been so silent we've lost integrity on the issue that came before that, and that was the life issue. And of course, the life issue is God as creator, God as redeemer, uh, and God as savior. So those things all have to tie in. So when I am doing pro-life ministry, it's always from the standpoint of preaching the gospel and extending the kingdom, strengthening the church, and using that even as a vehicle to understand that we've got to plant more churches. Is it a justice issue? Because it's a it's a God issue, and the enemy is going after lives that Jesus paid for. So we've got to we've got to frame that debate, so to speak. You know, when we're uh, you know passing out food to people that that need a meal, we've got to frame the debate on on why we're doing that, not just meeting uh, a human need, which I believe there's a blessing in, but I think we've got to tie it to the big picture and what God is really doing. He also says here that they suffered in 1 Thessalonians 2, they suffered at the hands of their own countrymen. Uh, These weren't just, you know, zealous Jews who had a a doctrinal jealousies, Pharisees that were debating uh, the claims of Christ, but these were people who were resisting them But why were they resisting them? They were resisting them because the message they were bringing was affecting the culture. It was impacting the culture in what they were doing. It was causing people to think about the lying and the cheating and the stealing. (laughs) It was causing people to think about how they were treating other people. I guess we could say this without contradiction, that the true preaching of the gospel will generate a cultural backlash, usually before it generates a cultural appreciation. Things will get usually stirred up before they get cooked up. In other words, if we're going to make a stew out of something, you know, it's going to get, that thing is going to get stirred up. I think sometimes we want the benefits of favor for acting out Christ, wisdom, and compassion in our communities, but we've got to understand that often there there is a backlash. There there is a group of people that are not applauding because they see that this is actually disruptive maybe to some other things uh, that are going on, and as a result of that, they want to silence us. So we know that we cannot be silenced. Let's be imitators of the churches like the Thessalonians were. Let's look at the churches in the book of Acts and say, what did they do and what did they have and how did they act and how did they treat each other? And let's commit to imitate them. I believe if we do that, we'd see some fragments of revival begin to stir and maybe we'd have the components to really go forward in a real move of reformation. Hey, this is Keith Tusi with Leadership in Context. Thanks for being with me today. Share this podcast with somebody if it's been a blessing to you. Today, Keith continued his discussion on being imitators. The ministry of the New Testament church was to plant churches and strengthen churches. Everything they did was connected to that. Let's connect the dots of what we are doing to the mission that God has given us. 
strengthening churches and pioneering the church. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusey. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.